Okay, turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs 22. <clears throat> I thought it most fitting that uh, as Nick and I were talking about which of these texts we wanted to use, that I would, I would jump on the one about raising kids, since I don't have any. Um, but it will be okay. So Proverbs 22.6, without a doubt, is uh, certainly a, a text that fits into this category of, of misused Bible verses. Um, unfortunately, you know, parents the world over uh, have misunderstood this, and, and um, I think it can be quite even devastating, frustrating to us if we really misunderstand it, but it can be very life-giving, incredibly helpful to us if we get it right. And so 22.6, uh, would somebody read that verse for us? Okay, good. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he's older, he won't depart from it. Uh, so that's the ESV. There's a couple other um, different ways that this text has been Translated, the NIV says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Um, the uh, Holman Christian Study Bible, Teach a youth about the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The NRSV, Train children in the right way, even when he is a... Uh, um, in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. And lastly, uh, the BBE, the basic Bible something, um, it says, if a child is trained up in the right way, even when he's old, he will not be turned away from it. So all of them have this basic same kind of theme with a little bit of variation. But what is the essential kind of meaning, the way that you typically hear this verse being used? Like how is that interpreted? Yeah, so if you train up your kids, you raise them in a godly home, you pray for them, you take them to church, you do the right things generally with them, and even if when they go off to college or even later in life, you know, that you can always have hope that they're not going to ultimately stray from that, that right path upon which you set them. They're going to... Uh, they're always they're going to come back at some point. You can always have that hope. Yeah, Ken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know. So the idea is you can give training, and then you know you can hope that you know you have assurance. The way that we and people have generally understood this is that there's. Uh, there's not going to be a departing from it at all. But what happens is when you know parents with teenage kids who have children who are departing, seemingly they were they were good as kids and now they're uh, kind of acting crazy in their teenage years, college years, whatever. There's that hope that ultimately there's going to be that God's going to bring them back because they were brought up as children. Yeah, Tris. Yeah, and yeah, in the in probably the more extreme forms, it's this idea that God now owes me something, right? 
I did what was right by my child and by, you, you know, I set him in the right way and now if God doesn't bring him back to me, then he's, he's not fulfilled a promise to me, right? That's how this text, we hear it often, is understood. Is that this is God promising you, parents, that if you train your children in the right way, they'll be okay in the end. Um, another way that this text... Um, has been understood, uh, goes like this. Consider the bent of your child and move him in that direction. So think about who your kid is. Uh, what's he like? What's she like? And, and, and give them training uh, in, in that way. So not necessarily there's a set path upon which he should walk, but there's one of... Um, kind of how, who he is, and then you should, you should train him that way, and then you're, you're forming him as the individual he's meant to be. I, I'd, I'd never heard anyone ever say that before until I kind of started studying for this. Um, but, that's not, but the common expression is that, oh, well, I know that my child would be okay because I gave training to him in the way that he should. But what's the problem with that? So we... There's a couple different problems, but Tris hit on sort of one of them that can have this sort of name it, claim it mentality. What else? How do the, if you think about the Proverbs as a whole, how do the Proverbs tend to work? What's that? Okay, some Proverbs are warnings, yeah. But like something like this, so if you took this verse as the way it is in the ESV, or even most of the other ones, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old he will not depart from it. Yeah, and so fundamentally when we come to this verse, I think the place to begin is to realize that the Proverbs are not uh, outright promises that God makes um, you know, just completely to us that do this and this will happen in your lifetime immediately right away. There's often a, a long-term effect. We can think that this is generally how things will happen. This is generally how things will go. And then, especially if you think in terms of eternity, there's uh, ramifications for these sorts of things. But it's unwise to approach a, any text in Proverbs, but this one in particular, and say that if I do the right thing, God will owe me something. But what, what else is wrong with the idea of doing the right thing? Train it, but like, at what level can we feel assured that we've raised our children up in the way that they should go. You know, as someone who's not had kids yet, that's a, a, I mean, I'm sure in people with kids, that's a big fear of mine. So I think about having kids, I'm like, man, that's terrifying. So, like, what's that? Yeah, sure. And so, I think probably the easy answer is the, the, it's the godly way, the one laid out in the Bible, but can we do that perfectly? No. And so, at what level do we, if we're trying to make this an outright promise, if God is obligated 100% to fulfill this promise to me, is it predicated upon kind of partial obedience to it? Complete obedience, and, and how does that work? What happens if, uh, like you guys, I was 10 years old when you became Christians, right? Something like that. I mean, what do you, what do, you do there? Because for the first almost half, you know, a little bit less than half of my life now, like, I was not raised in the way that I should go. It was only until after that. 
So is there this retroactive kind of, well, you know, you got them while he was a child, and so, you know, it'll, it'll be okay, it'll work out. There's actually, there's another problem with this text. So we can, there's, there's these principal applications that, uh, that we can come to it and say, the way it's written, it's better to understand it this way rather than the way we generally hear it. That you can rest assured that no matter what's, what happens in those teenage, college, 20s, 30s, you know, whatever, whatever happens in those years, you at some level did what was right by God, so your child will turn out all right in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we hear actions speak louder than words. That, and while, it, you know, at some level, just because I may not do something perfectly doesn't mean that I have no right or obligation to tell someone else how they should do it. But if we're living lives completely contrary to the things that we're saying, then we have a problem. Okay, so we're all on the same page there so far. But I want to introduce an idea uh, that I don't think will be too, too troublesome. This text is actually not a... It's not an incredibly helpfully translated text from the uh, language in which it was written, Hebrew. The way that it... The word-for-word translation would be something like this. Give training to the child according to his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. So some of you may hear that and say, okay, what's the difference? There's no, there's no Hebrew equivalent in here for the word should. About the idea of the way that he should go. There's just what, what we call the, the third person, masculine singular, pronominal suffix, the, the his, just stuck onto the end of the word. I know that my, probably doesn't make sense, but so it's the word way, and then it's the little thing that looks like that, stuck on the end, his way. And so, with the translation that we have so far, and just there, the, the way is left unexplained in, the, in that passage. What, what is his way? Right? And so that's the question that we're left with if we think about the way. And I can't, I have no idea why it's been translated this way or not. Um, I think, I read somewhere, someone thought it might have been a, a Hebrew idiom or something, but if you look at which we will in a second, the way way is used in the Proverbs, I doubt it. So, what does his way mean? That's the question that we're presented with. So, first big category when we deal with this text is, the I think, an idea of principle, not promise. But secondly, I think there's an even more helpful way to understand it is when we think about how it should have been translated. So, way. A couple different verses. Um, would someone look up Proverbs 11.5? Yeah, like, so someone looked it up to read. Thank you, Steve. I've got a couple, so who wants that one? David? Okay. Proverbs 11, 5. Proverbs 14, 2. Tris? Uh, 16, 17. Josh? 19, 3. Maybe. Uh, 19, 16. Um, and then one more, 21, 29. Clint. 
All right. So Proverbs 11.5, David. Okay, 14.2. So here we're asking, how is way being used? Is it a way that should be taken, or is it a way that is actually taken with that? Um, Okay, so what do you think? Are these describing ways that the person is actually walking and doing and going? Or is it the way of ought, the way he should go? What does it sound like? Yeah, right? The way he's going. The, righteous, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. The way he's walking, he keeps it straight. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways and what he does despises him. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way upon which he is walking preserves his life. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Whoever keeps the commandment, uh, uh, keeps, the commandment keeps his life, he despises his ways will die. That one may be God's ways, the way of, of ought, perhaps. And then 21, 29, the last one we said, wicked man puts on bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. And so, this is not all the way that every text with way in it, but just a, a sampling that the, the general idea seems to be the one, the path taken rather than the path you should take. But, uh, that is the, that's what the Proverbs present us with. There's the way of wisdom, and then there's the way of folly and death. Right? That's the, the two ways of life presented to us over and over again in the Proverbs. There's wisdom and life. There's folly and death. So the question then, is the youth's way the way of wisdom, or is it the way of folly? When left to themselves, the young lack judgment, right? Uh, Proverbs 7, 7. And they have hearts filled with foolishness. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly is bound up within the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Yeah, it's like parents' favorite verse. Kids' least favorite verse. So the way of the young man, the way of the child, is one of foolishness and folly rather than one of wisdom. Without discipline, the young uh, bring disgrace on their mothers, says Proverbs 29, 15. And so how are parents exhorted then in the Scriptures with the children, do they yeah, raise them in the nurture and have of the Lord? Yeah. 
we're not to leave our children to go about life in the way that they would intend, right? The kid who wants to... I remember I was, um, I was in the seventh grade, I think, and I had this girl that I was dating or whatever that I, you know, had the hots for, and it was Christmas or her birthday or Valentine's or it was a Thursday. I don't remember. And I was in the mall with my mom, and we were just walking around. I was looking for a gift, and there was this emerald bracelet. It was two, 200 bucks, something like that. And I was convinced that I needed it. I needed it to give to this girl that I would, I, that I think I was, to, one week, yeah, I was together with one week. So this was like middle of the week, I think. This was a Wednesday, and I knew it, and mom was like, mm, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And I don't remember it was, if it was a terrible fit or anything, but it really like, confused me and concerned me that my mom didn't care enough about me to let me give this gift to my girlfriend of a week. It was crazy to me because folly was bound up within my heart. My mom, I don't think, I don't remember if I got in trouble, I don't remember how it all played out, but my mom had to correct the foolishness that was in my heart. Transparency. No, that was the claw machine was later. That was a different one. Or that was before that, I don't remember. Anyways. So, like Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Right? We don't discipline, you know, we don't tell our children no. We don't spank our children because we, that's what we like to do, because it's just really fun. You know? Um, the TV show, one character said he likes telling people no because it lowers their enthusiasm. That's, you know, that, that's not why... We would do that to our kids because we want them to be less enthusiastic. We discipline our children because there's hope. Parents, we're we're instructed to challenge and instruct our children in the way of wisdom. Proverbs 23.14 says, If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul. From Sheol. What a significant thing. What importance of guarding the ways of our children. That we don't let them run on their own. Because his way is there's a right that there's a way that seems right to a man. How much more so a way that seems right to a 12-year-old in the mall. But its way, its end is destruction. Proverbs uh, chapter 1, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. 
you who are, who are uh, older, I won't use that word, wiser, your charge is to instruct those of us who are not as wise, who are younger, who have not lived as long. You don't, we, can't, we don't let our children run and go in their own way. If we do, they will not depart from it, the text says. Right? Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The child left to himself brings shame. To his mother. Does that make sense? Track with that. Anybody have a thought or comment at this point? We can murder our children, but we can't spank them. Good for him. It is. And it's because of this, this idea, you know, when we, people think about God, God, you know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, and that's it. Love is a mushy, gushy feeling that is, has nothing to it in our culture, right? And so when it comes from, you know, parents to children, if you're going to love your child, you've got to give them everything they want. Man, kids want, like, really bad things sometimes. Adults do, too. I mean, but certainly children do. Don't want what's right for us. Man, if I got everything that I wanted as a, a kid, I could very probably be dead by now. Like, but because I had parents who loved me, I had a God who was keeping me from everything that I wanted to destroy myself with, like, I'm still alive. I may be, whatever you said, completely lost, but I'm at least alive, and there's still hope for me. And so if we we love our children, we're going to do whatever we are actually able and capable to do to, to see to it that they're not left to destroy themselves, you know? You got uh, like I was reading. I guess it was about the. Uh, I don't remember what initially started, but I was reading on the internet this conversation about about spanking your kids, or and um, this one lady was talking about. And she says that my kid would run out into the street, you know, and just I tried just telling telling him a couple times like, hey, you can't do that, but he kept running out there. So what are you going to do? You know, you're going to go to whatever means you need to keep your four-year-old from darting out into traffic? Or are you just going to stand there? No, don't, you know, uh, uh, I love you. I love you. I love... No, you're going to beat the kid. Spank him, not beat him. <laughs> you're going to discipline the child as it's appropriate so that he understands that it's far worse to go get hit by a car than have to sit in his room. 
Yeah, and so the phrase, train the child according to his way, is probably more negative than it is uh, positive. It, that is the way without wisdom. Training the child according to his way. We are always training. And the proverb appears to be an ironic command. So turn to 1927. Flip back one. And when you get there, somebody read that. Yeah. So here we have what you could call an, you know, a, an ironic command. 1927, cease to hear instruction, my son. Right? That's the command, which sounds crazy. But what's underneath it, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. And so obviously, what's really being said is, don't cease to hear instruction. Continue to hear instruction, my son, and you will not stray from the words of knowledge. And so, likewise, if you do not train a child according to his own way, perhaps, he will depart from it. Right? There's still no guarantee. You can't just flip it around and say, okay, good. So now I know what the verse actually says, and I'm still going to apply it and use it in the same sense. Right? We, still don't, we don't want to move from that just a complete circle of, oh, I just translate it differently, but I still apply it in the same way. That as long as I, now I'm just not going to give my kid anything that he wants. <laughs> or whatever. One uh, uh, guy named R.J. Clifford, he said this, Let a boy do what he wants, and he will become a self-willed adult incapable of change. And that's what, I mean, what we're saying, that's what we see. That's what happens. You know the people in your lives that get everything they want. You know, as a, a teacher, I, I know, I can tell which students at home are coddled and, you know, doesn't matter what they want or do, their parents largely go along with it versus the ones who are kept from their foolish ways. And it doesn't, doesn't change. And so the point is you can't expect your child to grow out of it. It's not just a phase, Right? Okay, so Proverbs are, they're principles, they're not promises, but the power of the gospel can transform any child who's not raised well. So let's, we'll end on a note of, of hope, I guess, that if, for those of you who have not done it the way you think you should, or those of you who are fearing that you're not doing it the way that you should, or those of you who are going to have kids and are going to mess up, there's still hope. The gospel, God's grace, is bigger and stronger than anything that we can do poorly, right? We can raise our children terribly. And if God has seen fit to save them, He, he can and He will do that, right? 1 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So even if we've not raised our children the way that we should, if they're up and grown, there's still hope. But 
if we still got kids at home, let's not, let's not give them training according to their own ways. Any last thoughts or questions before we pray? Father, thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I, I do uh, come to this text trembling um, and uh, in need of, of help because uh, I have no experience to speak of as a parent. Uh, but we, we can study Your Word and, and be taught by it nonetheless. And um, so, God, I ask that You would give us grace to love our children to train them in the way that they should go. In hopes that they will come to know You. But help us, Lord, to from, keep us from, from applying a verse like this as some sort of magical ointment to our parenting and, or using it as some sort of bargaining tool that we, we have... You at our beck and call to save our children because we think we've done the right thing or whatever we're tempted to do uh, with this text. I pray that we would, we would see it as the solemn warning that it is that if we allow our, our children to run in their own ways, then we, we shouldn't expect in any way them to be a person that's even capable of change. You discipline us with uh, loving, fatherly care, and I pray, God, that um, You would help us to do the same with our children. Um, so, God, I pray that you would, you would come by Your Spirit, You would be with us now, that You would teach us as we, we gather to worship You in spirit and in truth. Help us, God, to set distractions aside, to set um, our, the cares of the world aside, and help us to love one another, to come together, enjoy one another's company and fellowship, and to come around the throne of grace um, and worship You. pray that You would bless the preaching of Your Word. Um, as Nick preaches, it would go out with power, go out like a hammer with fire, and it would break to pieces stony hearts, and that it would mend broken hearts. Um, and that uh, You would set us uh, on, on the path that we should go. That You would set us on the, upon the path of truth. That You would save sinners in our midst. That You would get glory for Yourself. In Jesus' name, Amen.